0: baseball tonight the podcast this is the baseball tonight podcast for wednesday november 23rd 2022 and today will be better than yesterday working from the sarah abbott studios in right near bristol connecticut is sarah abbott taylor schwenk is sort of with us today sarah like i heard a rumor that he was with us but i'm not seeing him what's the deal there
1: Yes, Taylor had a last-minute scheduling conflict, but he will be on, rest assured. So, But for now, it's just you and me.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask Taylor about, uh, it looked like he got some sort of a rug burn watching a, a soccer game the other day, posted it on Twitter, uh, and I wanted to get some backstory on that. Uh, so maybe we could, uh, if he joins us for Bleacher tweets later, we can ask him about that. Last night, a trade. The Brewers moved Hunter outfielder Hunter Renfro to the Angels for three pitching prospects. I'll tell you in a few minutes when my conversation, in my conversation with Tim Kirchon, why this may not have been exactly what the Brewers were saying it was in terms of what they were trying to get out of this deal. Last week, the Seattle Mariners boosted their offense with a trade for Teoscar Hernandez. They gave up a couple of relievers. To the Blue Jays, the Phillies' Bryce Harper will undergo elbow surgery next week. They won't really know until he the surgeons actually go in there and they take a look at that ligament. How long he's going to be out? It might be that he's going to need a complete Tommy John reconstructive surgery. Phillies president Dave Dombrowski got a three-year extension. Interesting negotiations. Dombrowski told uh, the owner John Middleton that he's looking for a two-year extension, and Middleton gave him three years. Uh, We should all be so lucky to have a boss like that. Since last week, the Cardinals first baseman Paul Goldschmidt was announced as the MVP of the National League. Here was Goldschmidt after getting 22 of 30 first place votes. It's a great honor. It's uh you know, but it isn't just about me. I mean it is about the teammates I had and the coaches and, and guys I played with in the past, even guys I haven't played with, I've learned a lot from a lot of different players and I think it means a lot to all of those people and I hope they know how much of an effect they had on my career, you know, my family here my parents, I mean, coaches that go all the way back to, to Little League and, and select ball and scouts and minor league coaches and, you know, just different organizations. I mean, there's been so many people that have helped me. And, you know, I just feel like God has blessed me to surround me with great people. And I've just tried to soak up their knowledge and wisdom and try to use it to the best of my ability. So whether I, I won this or not, it was going to be a great year. This was my best year and the most fun I had, you know, playing with <laughs> Nolan and Albert and so many guys we had. So it was just incredible. Aaron Judge won the American League MVP in a runaway. He dominated uh, the voting. Uh, afterward, he spoke with MLB Network about winning the award.
2: It's tough to put in words, uh, man. It's it's an incredible, incredible moment. Um, you know, a lot of hard work throughout the years to to get to this point. You know, I got a lot of a lot of people to thank. You know, I go back all the way to coaches and travel ball to little league, high school, college, you know, guys I've worked with through the minor leagues, major league, man, this is, you know, I always feel like any award you get, it's never an individual award. It's, it's a, it's a team effort, you know, through and through. And uh, it's, <laughs> this is, it, it means a lot.
0: Now, earlier this week, Aaron Judge, of course, a free agent now, was in San Francisco and there was this really interesting video posted. Give a listen to this conversation with Aaron Judge when, when as he was walking It appeared out of an airport or into a
3: hotel.
1: Aaron Judge in San Francisco, what are you doing in the city?
3: (laughs) Just visiting some family and friends. That's about it. That's about it. Oh,
1: yeah? Any fun plans?
3: We got something. Have a good one. You too. So, Sarah, you
0: saw that video, and as you tell us what else you got, uh, I want to hear your view on what we heard from Aaron Judge the other day.
1: Well, since Taylor is not here to be the conspiracy king, I will step in to be the conspiracy queen. There is no way that was not planted, staged. That was a total PR thing. You cannot tell me that reporter just coincidentally was in the lobby of this hotel and Aaron Judge comes strutting in. And she was like, oh, what a great time to take my phone out and ask a question. He did not look caught off guard at all. Like this was a hundred percent staged.
0: Tell me if uh, you agree with me on this. It reminds me of when the uh, MVP of the Super Bowl wins the, you know, the that award and just asks, "Hey, uh, you know, Tom Brady, what are you doing? I'm going to Disney World." <laughs> yes. That's, that was that not the feel of that video.
1: Oh my gosh, it so was. It was just like it also reminded me of when celebrities call the paparazzi on themselves and you totally right. know because they're like all glammed up and looking great. That was a hundred percent
0: what happened. Well, and I'll tell Tim Kirchin why I think that was uh, presented in that way. What else you got? So baseball
1: is over, but NBA is here. So be sure to check out our full slate of NBA shows, including the Hoop Collective, CJ McCollum's show, the VC show, and the Low Post for all your NBA news.
0: You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. According to a recent Indeed survey, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/buster. Just go to indeed.com/buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy Time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson, of course, covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, what have you been up to? Uh, Other than physical therapy.
3: Yeah, I had a hip replacement a couple of years ago. First time in my life, Buster, I felt old and unathletic and I didn't like it. So I had to do something about it. So it's the first surgery I've ever had. And now I have a slightly different look at all those guys I write about who are coming back from surgery. Like, why is it taking so long? And why isn't this fastball returned yet? I've I've had a different look at this. I'm in really good shape here. I can drive a car. I can walk without a cane. I'm moving around. I do almost everything that I would normally do, but it's been a little bit harder than people told me it was going to be. But I'm right there, and they're very pleased with me. I'm going to PT today, and uh, everything will be good. Yeah, apparently it's uh, it's harder than you thought because you just
0: said this took place a couple of years ago. I think it was a couple weeks ago, yes?
3: (laughs) Yeah, again, I'm not thinking very clearly these days, Buster. The sleep deprivation has been the hardest part. I'm not a great sleeper anyway, kind of like you, and I wake up like every two hours, and that's a gift if I get two straight hours, and then i got to wander the the halls of my house, and then I go back to sleep. So, uh, sorry about that. Let's hope I... uh, I don't get Aaron Judge mixed up with Joe Judge today. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right.
0: You led seamlessly, because you're a professional, into the conversation around Aaron Judge, who was caught on video. uh, It appeared going into a hotel or at an airport or something like that. That whole thing, uh, Tim, I, I found to be really interesting, the timing of the news that he's meeting with the Giants. The timing of the release of that video, which was kind of obscure about what the source was. I, I don't think any of this is any coincidence. I think that this is Aaron Judge going to meet with the Giants and, uh, you know, having his conversation there, but also trying to put some pressure on Hal Steinbrenner. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I, I can see both of those points. I don't think anything nefarious is going on here in right. any way, but I don't think this is a complete coincidence. And, He's a free agent. He grew up in Northern California. He's allowed to go home in the Thanksgiving area and meet with a local team that really wants him. And yet we're turning this into maybe something bigger than it really is. It's a it's a obviously this is a huge story. This is the number one free agent out there, but I, I think the Yankees have to be feeling Tremendous pressure at this point, Buster. We've been over this. They've lost four straight. Well, they've lost, been eliminated four times by the Astros. They look at the Astros and say, they're the team we have to beat, and they're much better than we are right now with Aaron Judge. You take Aaron Judge off of this team, and suddenly they're a below-average offensive team that needs at least another quality starting pitcher, another key bullpen guy, And decisions made at several other positions. So if they re-sign him, I think they're going to be in in good shape. But they have to get him first and then do some more stuff. So the pressure is clearly on the Yankees. So to the degree that I've been thinking about this, I believe that
0: it's the first time in Yankees history in which the player has more leverage than the team. Okay, and I'm just going to walk through the history of of great Yankee superstars in the past. As you know, you know Babe Ruth. At the end of his career with the Yankees, he was released. They just cut him. He was the biggest star in the sport, and they let him go because he wasn't as effective of a player. He finished his career with the Boston Braves. Joe DiMaggio, uh, it, it, as his skills regressed, and as Mickey Mantle emerged on the scene, the Yankees I think kind of shoved him off into retirement. Reggie Jackson in a Mr. October, he was allowed to walk away as a free agent. They, they, were, they were fine with that. Derek Jeter's negotiations, as you know, you know, his camp was looking, I think this was what in 2012. His camp was looking for a deal of something in the range of 125 million. Brian Cashman said to him, Hey, you know what? Uh, go out and test the market, and then you'll find out what you're really worth. And he wound up getting less than half of what he asked for. Robinson Cano was a free agent; they just let him go. They said, "This is what our price is, and we're not gonna we're not gonna keep you." Uh, Alex Rodriguez, I think, had more leverage than some of the other guys. Um, Brian Cashman actually recommended to ownership not to. Re-engage with Alex when he opted out of his contract during the 2007 World Series. The Yankees wind up signing him, but I think this is a different case, Tim. I think it's the first time where the Yankees, you know, probably the biggest professional sports organization in the world, arguably one of the, you know, top two or three, they're actually on the defensive in this situation. Am I completely off base? As you often tell me,
3: I am. No, I think you are on base because I think you're right. As we just said, I don't think the Yankees even make the playoffs without Aaron Judge last year. And now they're looking at it like, what are we going to do without him? And he's going to have other places to go. The Giants are going to give him almost whatever he wants, at least in theory. If not, the Dodgers are still going to be there. But what are the Yankees going to do if they can't sign Aaron judge. Does that mean they're going to go out and sign Jacob deGrom and Justin Verlander and just try to overpower everyone with pitching as say the Astros did in the postseason? Maybe that's an option. It doesn't sound like a great one to me. So I think it comes down to this. The Yankees need judge more than judge needs the Yankees. And I think because of that, the Yankees are going to end up giving him whatever he wants. And I think And I'm guessing, of course, that at this point he's coming back. One quick story about Don Mattingly, just on a different end. Buck Showalter told me that Don Mattingly went to him in his final year to the Yankees and said, you got to get me out of the cleanup spot. I'm not good enough to hit cleanup for this team. So he dropped him in the order. At the end of the season, he said you got to go get another first baseman. My back isn't good enough. I should, I'm not good enough to be Yankees first baseman. And that's when they went and got Tino Martinez just shows you who Don Mattingly is. And that's a departure of a great Yankee. Only he did it himself rather than making the Yankees do it for him.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why it was, you know, before Derek Jeter, there wasn't, I think about, you know, all the great players in baseball history, about 3000 hits, Derek Jeter was the first Yankee to do it because they wouldn't sit around and wait for these guys, right? That they, they wouldn't cater to them at the end of their careers. But in this case, they're under a lot of pressure with uh, in terms of signing judge. I would say, you know, tell you this, that a couple of agents this week, and these are really experienced agents, they told me Yankees aren't signing him. And what they're feeling, they had the same observation, that in the meetings through the years with Brian Cashman, he makes it very clear to them he doesn't believe in these whopper contracts for players who are older. And Aaron Judd's going to be 31 next spring. They gave their valuation of seven years, $213.5 million with that offer they made back in the spring. These agents are telling me, yeah, they'll improve that offer, but they're not going to go nutty. You know, it's possible that ownership, that Hal Steinbrenner, under more pressure than he's ever been in any situation in the past, especially with Steve Cohen on the other side of New York. Maybe uh, he breaks outside of some of the guidelines that the front office gives him. But these agents are saying they won't do it. And the Giants have so much payroll flexibility. They think that San Francisco is going to put a number out
3: there that the Yankees are not going to touch. What do you think? I I wouldn't be surprised again, Buster, this story is going to change virtually every day. One day we're going to think he's going back. The next day we're going to think he's not one day. He's going to the giants. The next day he's going somewhere else. This is why this is (laughs) such a crazy time of year. And his case is different. Just like you said, the Yankees need him more than they, than he needs them potentially. And he's not 26 as a free agent. And if he's looking for 10 years at age 30, uh, that that's a hard thing to get. So there, this, that's why this is such a fascinating negotiation. And it's a fascinating
0: offseason because the Yankees are under pressure, but I think Tim, that the team in baseball that might be under more pressure than them, the Boston Red Sox, because of how last season played out because of the ugly negotiations with Xander Bogarts, uh, Raphael Devers is someone that they want to sign. He's a free agent, potentially a, a year from now, Uh, It's been very telling to me that Sam Kennedy, their team president, has basically been out uh, and about making the rounds, talking with reporters, saying, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. And Tim, I I think until they actually sign players, their fan base will uh, continue to be maybe the most angry
3: among all fan bases right now. What do you think? Yeah, and it's hard to be angrier than the Yankee fans who haven't who've won once in the last 21 years and haven't been to the World Series since 2009, and yet the Yankees don't come in last place three times over the last 10 years. The Yankees still have the longest, second longest, you know, 500 or better streak in baseball history only to the Yankees of the past, so But when you finish last in the division and you finish behind the Orioles, who you finished 39 games ahead of in the previous year, uh, that's a bad situation. And yes, I think this is Bloom under enormous pressure to do the right thing and make this team better. But I just don't see what they can do to make them better if they don't sign Devers and Bogarts, because they're not going to compete in that division. If they lose one of those guys, and if they lose them both, I think they're going to come in last place again.
0: Yeah, come in last place again, and and I think at that point there might, uh, uh, I mean, pure fan revolt where you might actually see some numbers of viewership, uh, you know, with their sports network, the New England Sports Network. You might see some uh, a lot more empty seats at the end of the year because it's pretty clear fans are pretty unhappy about uh, up there uh, with the way the Red Sox are going. We had an interesting trade. On uh, Tuesday night, Hunter Renfro going from the Brewers to the Angels for three pitching prospects. And I'm putting air quotes on this, Tim, because when I saw this deal, first off, I was told after the general manager meetings that the Brewers were heavily shopping Renfro, who's eligible for arbitration this winter. He slated, according to MLB trade rumors, to make about $11.1 million in arbitration. And I'm thinking to myself, huh. The Brewers trade for three pitching prospects from an organization that's pitching thin and pitching starved, which tells me that the three prospects may not necessarily be high-end guys. This is, i I, look, I I love this deal for the Angels. I'm a bit surprised for the Brewers who are managing their payroll. And I'm also a little sad for the Brewers because I feel like they've been one of the, you know, the better stories in baseball the last five or six years. And I feel like they're starting to turn. Uh, You know, there's some expectation that Colton Wong will be the next to go uh, as Matt Arnold, the new head of baseball operations, manages their payroll.
3: Yeah, I'm a little confused, I must say. Remember, I did the Brewers two years ago in the playoffs, so I got a really good look at them four games in a row against the Braves. And they had they had a real subpar offensive team two years ago, and it wasn't a whole lot better. This year, and now they just took 30 homers and basically shipped them off for three pitching prospects. I'm not sure I understand what's going on. If it's a salary dump, as you as you say, I certainly understand that. But you know, they didn't make the playoffs when most people thought they would. They traded Josh Hader. I, I wouldn't love the direction of where the Brewers are going right now if I were a Brewers fan. And they're going to have to make a turn here pretty quickly because. Um, they could be in some trouble long term if they don't watch it. Yeah, the Brewers were tenth out of thirty
0: teams in run scored uh, in two thousand and twenty three, and it's or two thousand twenty two, and it's going to be difficult for them, I think, to put together offense unless you get a you know a major bounce back from Christian Yelich at this point. I, I I love what the Angels have done so far this winter, Tim. I like the fact that you know Perry Manassi and their general manager is trying to win. Picks up Tyler Anderson. Uh, makes the deal for Renfro. He, he's active on other fronts as well.
3: It'll be interesting to see if the, you know, they they land one of the prime guys. Yeah, Gio Urshela will help them defensively because right. he can play multiple positions. Um, look, Perry Manassian understands the pressure that he's under with, with Shohei Ohtani, a free agent after the 2023 season. And he's going to be remembered as the guy who let Otani go, even though clearly this is an ownership situation more, but he's still going to be the GM. So he's trying everything possible to make the the Angels a playoff team and maybe convince Otani that this is the place he wants to stay long term. I love the Tyler Anderson deal. It didn't cost them that much, and Renfro is going to be – they need either a left or a right fielder, depending how you look at it. And Urshela is a useful guy, and they're not done yet. They're going to have to go get some – Fletcher and others, but they're going to be aggressive, and they should be.
0: Yeah, they have to show to Shohei Otani that they're going to actually have a chance to win. And I, I suspect that Perry is looking at the situation like, you know what? Uh, I there's a chance a year from now that I might be in trouble with my job. You know, we have a new owner coming in. This is kind of a prove it time for him. And if you know Perry, he's going to be aggressive. He's going to err on the side of uh, uh, of trying to do too much than just sitting back and, and doing nothing earlier this week. The Baseball Hall of Fame announced its ballot for 2023 uh, you had some newcomers, Tim, but uh, look, they're not necessarily anybody where you look at as a slam dunk candidate. Who's getting in? Uh, who's getting voted in when the uh, ballots are released in 2023, do you think?
3: I'm not sure, Buster, but I'm going to say at the moment that nobody's getting in. And I Really? Scott Rowland, hit- no? Scott Rowland's got to go from six. Now, that doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. I vote for him every year. That's not the discussion. I, I vote I vote for seven, eight, nine guys last year. It's not that I don't think they're Hall of Famers. I just think going from 62 to 75 is a pretty big jump. Now, it's been done before. Larry Walker, Edgar Martinez made enormous jumps late in the process. So I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but I think that's still a pretty big jump. Um, as for the first time, guys, Carlos Beltran has some really, really interesting numbers when it comes to homers and steals. His postseason numbers are a joke. Um, Can go, I, Tim, I'll run through some of those, OK?
0: Go. At 2000, because I was going to ask you about Beltran, 2,725 career hits, 435 career homers, 1,582 runs, 1,587 RBI 312 steals, and a career OPS in the postseason of 1,021. So continue.
3: Yeah, I mean, that that postseason OPS, which I looked up, is ridiculously high. We can't forget (laughs) what he did with the Astros in the postseason. It was like him watching Mickey Mantle in his prime. Um, If you compare his numbers, he compares favorably to a bunch of guys who are in the Hall of Fame, including Andre Dawson. In fact, he has the exact same OPS plus as Andre Dawson. And yet there are people who don't think Andre Dawson should be in the Hall of Fame. I disagree. I voted for him. Eight-time gold glove, MVP, and two second-place MVPs, whereas Beltran's highest finish is fourth. Um, So he's a fascinating candidate, but my guess is he's still – Semi-borderline, and then you add in, at least for some voters, the uh, sign-stealing scandal. And my guess is that it's going to be enough to keep him out his first year. At this point, I am leaning towards voting for him, but I haven't filled out my ballot yet, and I haven't made my decisions yet. But I think we have about two or three guys who are right on the cusp of making it, and there's a chance no one will make it. The best comparable I feel like,
0: and I want to see if you agree with me, is Roberto Alomar. Who, when I look, when his name appeared on the ballot, my thought was this is at that time, you know, he's in the conversation for the greatest second baseman ever in terms of the way that he changed his sport with the way that he played defense, uh, the impact that he would have on games. Uh, he was, he had such an incredibly high ceiling, but he had the spitting incident with John Hirschbeck. And he wound up falling short in that first year. And I, I do feel I agree with you. I think there are going to be some voters who are going to put on extra demerits under Beltran's candidacy uh, because of what's been written about his role in the science ceiling scandal, which I I uh, believe is has been overstated. You know, the idea of Carlos Beltran going around that clubhouse and bullying other Astro players, I kind of laugh at that a little bit. <laughs>
3: Yeah. And Buster, this is where it gets real confusing to me. I was listening to talk radio the other day and the question was, you know, what what is a, a bigger cheat? Is it amphetamines? Is it doing steroids? Is it stealing signs? And I'm just not sure that we are the right people or I am the right person to determine the different levels of cheating. Um, personally, I mean, they're obviously cheating when you're stealing signs the way they did it. They should have never done that. They're going to be punished for it, and I think I think Beltran will be punished by certain voters the first year because he was a part of that. But you know, it, it still goes with me that Tony Gwynn and Cal Ripken told me, "I don't want to know what's coming. Don't tell me what's coming." I've got a plan up there. What if you're wrong? What if the the signals are wrong? What if you did it wrong? I don't want to know. So that doesn't mean it's not an advantage. It can be an enormous advantage, but I'm with you. I think it's overblown just a little bit here, but I don't think it's going to be overblown with some voters when it comes to Beltran, when they look and say, all right, he's borderline and the, the sign stealing is going to tip him off of the ballot, maybe not onto the ballot. So I've known you
0: for more than 30 years now, I believe, and this is the most angst I've heard in your voice about the Hall of Fame voting. Did um, you know, I stopped voting. I just was not comfortable with the idea of making these decisions. What about for you?
3: Well, I haven't talked to you much about Hall of Fame voting busters since you stopped voting. The angst has been in my voice for 10 years. The the Bonds Clemens thing is the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. And as you know, I voted for them every year for 10 years, and I wasn't particularly proud of it. I just thought it was the better of two Very difficult decisions. And as I've told you 100 times, Buster, there are no more right answers anymore. I turn in my ballot every year. I look at it. I know I've done the best that I can. And I'm not satisfied with what I voted for because I'm just not sure anymore. There are no more right answers. We need some help. Everyone needs some help with their ballot. And I'm doing the best I can. But it's a very unsatisfying process because it is so difficult to determine what to do with the steroid guys and now what to do with a, you know, a science dealing guy. So tell me what you think is going to happen in a
0: minute uh, with Bonds and Clemens going before the special committee for the first time.
3: Yeah, I've been on those committees Buster four different times. The dynamic in the room is fascinating. 16 people. Usually half of them are former players and we have executives, a couple writers, a couple others and if there's a if there are a couple people in the room who are really persuasive, I've seen a room turn based on what two people said or what two people didn't say about somebody. So I think it all depends on the makeup of the room. And my guess is for the moment, because I don't know what the makeup is, I found in my four years on those ballots is that it's the former players who hold who are the angriest about anyone who would use a performance enhancing drug. So therefore, I don't think Bonds and Clemens are going to get a push from the former players. I don't. Um, So my guess is they're going to be on that ballot and they're not going to make it. That's how I feel for today. It could change tomorrow, but that's how I see it for today. Wow.
0: Oh, boy. I can't wait for that whole conversation to be over. Anyway,
3: Buster, Buster, that heavy sigh is what I have. Like every day, but I would say this is the first time I've ever heard you say uh, say out uh, you know
0: say out loud. I don't know if I'm the right person to be making this call. Well, that's what that's what jumped out to me
3: in what you said before. Well, I'm not sure anyone is the right single person to make these calls. I think to be the moral arbiter is not something I'm comfortable with, and I'm not sure. Yeah anyone else should be comfortable doing that. So I'm not saying we need to change the voting process. I still think the writers are the best people to vote on this. I'm just saying uh, I find it very, very difficult to do this job now, but I still value it tremendously. It's still an honor and a privilege, but it is really hard. Well, go on, have your physical therapy
0: session for today (laughs) and prepare for basketball in the spring. I'm sure you're going to be back dunking.
3: No, no dunking, no more basketball. That's over with. That's okay. I just want to walk and I just want to walk without pain and a limp. That's all. All right. Thanks, Tim. All right, Buster. See you.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Zero, zero, nine, six... This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Buster. I was watching a Dominican Winter League last night. You and this with us had two home runs. I believe we had one walk-off. Really fun game. So baseball awesome, even in November.
0: I wasn't going to ask you this, but what would you think about the punch thrown by his Drupal Cabrera the other day after the home run? That was crazy.
2: Yeah, that was really something. I mean, I saw people saying that it wasn't about the bat flip. It was about conversation, chirping toward the dugout. But all I know is Drupal Cabrera was one of the most fun players to watch while he was in MLB with bat flips, especially for the Mets. So. I have to imagine it wasn't about the bath flip, given that he was a frequent uh, doer of those himself.
0: I had the exact same thought that there had to have been some kind of a run-up to that to make his dribble that angry, where he would throw a sucker punch. The guy's rounding first base, not even looking, and gets absolutely leveled uh, by Cabrera. Uh, We just heard that video of Aaron Judge Uh, check I think it was checking into a hotel or maybe he's walking in an airport or something but it was one of the weirdest feeling videos I gotta say of an off-season just in terms of it, it it absolutely felt like some kind of a setup when you saw that what did you think
2: I mean I I enjoyed his sort of wry smile of oh I'm just visiting some friends and family I mean we know he's there to talk to the Giants. We know he might also be there for Thanksgiving. Obviously, he does have friends and family in the Bay Area and in California. But, you know, I mean, I feel like maybe too much has been made of it because we knew he was going to talk to the Giants. That wasn't a surprise. And I know it's a big deal, I know he's being followed. In terms of what he's doing, when, but I wasn't surprised to see that he was there. I did have questions about who the voice was in the video.
0: Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mentioned to Tim that I thought that this was, uh, you know, an effort to try to put more pressure on the Yankees, but I had a couple agents say to me, like, yeah, they've already made up their minds where the number is going to be, and uh, nothing in a video is going to change any of that. You know, who knows? We'll see. Let's play the numbers game. Number three.
2: Number three is two. So speaking of Judge, last week he became the second player to win both Rookie of the Year and MVP with the Yankees, joining Thurman Munson. I thought that was a really cool list because the Yankees have, of course, had the most MVP winners And yes, the year didn't begin until 1947, but they've had a handful of MVPs since then. So it really shows you how much of the fabric of their history has already become, and I wonder how that factors in over these next few weeks or months during his uh, free agency.
0: Number two.
2: Number two is six, So. We're recapping awards here. And Albert Pujols on Tuesday was named Comeback Player of the Year. And of course, he is already retired. We know he is not coming back again. So he became just the sixth player to win Comeback Player of the Year in his final career season. And of course, Buster Posey did it last year. The others were Mariano Rivera in 2013. Dern Dalton in 1997, John Tudor in 1990, and Lou Brock in 1979. And you know, for all the Pools did this year, I feel like that's a perfect encapsulation of what his season was. He had his best OPS plus since 2010 in his final career season. So it wasn't just that he compiled his way to 703 home runs. He really had a great year.
0: Number one.
2: Number one is 100 for 100%. So both of the Scion winners this year were unanimous, Sandale Cantara and Justin Bridlander. It was the second time that both Scion Award winners were unanimous, along with 1968, the year of the pitcher, with Denny McLain and Bob Gibson. And yeah. has now won unanimously twice in his career. The only other pitchers to win multiple unanimous Cy Young award, uh, Awards are Sandy Kovacs, Greg Maddox, Roger Clemens, Pedro Martinez, and Johan Santana, with, of course, Kovacs winning three unanimously
0: that's a pretty good list to be part of like that. That's basically a list of the greatest pitchers ever since they started giving out that award. Uh, Sarah, before you go, what you go to this for Thanksgiving?
2: Well, I'm vegetarian as I'm sure I've mentioned on here. So I would say it's probably Mac and cheese. I mean, I love stuffing. My mom makes a really good chestnut stuffing. And I know sometimes stuffing has meat or doesn't, But, uh, For me, it's mac and cheese, although I do have very fond memories of being a kid and being in charge of the cranberries. So I would stand over the stove. I would always put too much cinnamon and they would not taste ideal, but that was my thing to make. So I I am partial to that as well.
0: So you like an actual cranberry uh, dish that's prepared. What's your view on the jellied cranberry that's a tradition on many tables?
2: I mean, I like the taste of cranberries, so I approve of it in any form. But I love (laughs) watching them pop. That's what's so much fun about cooking them. You take them, you put them in the stove with some orange juice, something like that. And it's really fun as they pop while they're being cooked. So I like watching that happen.
0: Happy Thanksgiving, Sarah.
2: Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Bleacher Tweets.
1: All right, Buster, it's time for Bleacher Tweets. And as always, Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. So our first tweet comes from Andrew. Andrew, I'm so sorry, I'm going to butcher your last name. So I'm just going to do your Twitter name at Drew Unga. Your conversation <laughs> with Theo Epstein made me curious if you think he would be considered to one day be commissioner. I can't think of a guy more respected by fans, players, and owners.
0: Uh, I think that's a fair observation in terms of how he's viewed. But if you're going to be the commissioner of baseball, what the fans or the players think is irrelevant, which is why Theo will never be the commissioner because that will always go to uh, one of the, uh, let's face it, one of the lawyers uh, for the owners, you know, Rob Manfred is a, and I don't mean this as a a criticism. I mean it as an observation. He's, he's, you know, the owner's lawyer. He represents the owners. There's no question about that. Where Theo, I think, and you heard him in the conversation last week, he's speaking more broadly about fan experience. He's talking about players. He's talking about owners when it comes to rules. Would you agree with me, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I would agree. Just because somebody's well-liked might not make them like the most well-versed to be a commissioner.
0: <laughs> no, the owners like don't it. want a well-liked uh, commissioner. They want a commissioner who's going to who are going to represent their interests, especially at twenty five million dollars a year.
1: But he can still be a man of the people.
0: So, <laughs> yes,
1: up next is here for for real here for for real. Should qualify offer rules change only two players accepted qualified offers increase or decrease amount two year seems like it's becoming an outdated rule. Thoughts? Not
0: many players uh, annually accept qualifying offers for a lot of years. Uh, You actually had no players accepting qualifying offers. And there's also no question. It's an outdated rule. You wish that it was negotiated out of the contract because there always seem to be one or two players who are caught in the vortex of the qual- uh the qualified offers and the draft pick compensation. I think Wilson Contreras is going to be one of those guys this winter.
1: Our next one comes from Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit. Where do you see Jose Abreu landing in free agency and will he get more than 2
0: years? No, nope, he's going to get 2 years and I think it's going to be with the White Sox. Uh they he's a leader on that team he has a legacy with that team I know the San Diego Padres have been connected with Abreu but I, I boy the Padres have I know their owner Peter Seidler spent a lot of money and he's willing to improve the team I think you'd get a quality first baseman without spending big dollars and I I, I wonder how much payroll flexibility they have at this point
1: our last one comes from Don Irving what is the hashtag bleacher tweets backup plan if Twitter folds?
0: Well, I started an Instagram account uh, when my son enrolled in college, so I guess we could veer off that way. Sarah, that would be one option. But I think Twitter will continue. Uh, I I know it's ugly. It's kind of bouncing around a little bit. There's uh, a lot of stuff going on, but I think it's too powerful a medium to just completely disappear. What do you think?
1: I agree. I don't think it's going anywhere. Also, you have an Instagram and we do not follow each other on Instagram. So we're going to have to change that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. No, I I was mostly doing it to stalk my son in his freshman year of college, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. But just in case, I was thinking maybe a subreddit, a nice little classy subreddit for the Bleacher tweets. And that (laughs) <laughs> that concludes Bleacher Tweets for today. Be sure to submit your questions using hashtag Bleacher Tweets whilst Twitter is still around. And be sure to <laughs> rate and review this podcast.
0: Well, happy Thanksgiving, Sarah. You got a lot of plans?
1: Thank you. Um, I'm currently in Tampa, actually. Not near Bristol, Connecticut. I switched it okay. up for today. Um, so I'm just hanging out with my sister, my mom, dad whole fam we're all here so it'll be a good time
0: nice you're going to cook anything in particular what's your go-to dish
1: well I am the cutlery cousin as I have deemed myself which means I am responsible for the silverware and the supervision (laughs) so
0: no (laughs) well I can't wait got a lot of cooking on the on the docket it's going to be fun having a, a nice big group here in Montana so so fired up about that That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something that we need to fight against every single day.